Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Hey everyone, God bless you. Good to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm here on Sunday morning. I'm not preaching, uh, but I did want to give an exhortation uh, concerning an event that's coming up. Actually, there's just a few things that kind of... Uh, uh, came together, Carrie's uh, exhortation during worship to, to, to go a little further, put a little more into worship to get a little more out. Um, and that's just a dynamic of the kingdom of God in that the measure you receive often is determined by how hungry you are and how willing you are to, to reach, to open up, to seek. Uh, and God has an unlimited reservoir of... Uh, Whatever you need, life, joy, peace, truth, whatever you need, he has an unlimited amount. But often we limit the amount of time that uh, we allow him to pour into us, or we limit the amount of openness we have. And so what we have is a few opportunities for you to go a little deeper, press in a little further. The, The New Day Vine worship is a great opportunity. And then in, in uh, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, so the weekend after Thanksgiving on November 28th, uh, one of my uh, favorite itinerant ministers, uh, Pastor Mitko from Bulgaria. Pastor Mitko from Bulgaria. <laughs> uh, he's, he speaks really good English now, but uh, there he is. Uh, and he and his wife will be here, and they're going to be ministering in, at, at, at Vine, on the 28th, Saturday night, and then they're going to be ministering Sunday morning in Vandalia and a special Sunday evening service. And I've, I've actually, for several years, I've asked Mitko if he could come and, and, and speak several times rather than just on Sunday morning, and his schedule never allowed it. But this year, uh, this coming weekend, he's able to be here Saturday night at our Vine uh, campus uh, in, on Locust Street, and then both Sunday morning and Sunday evening in Vandalia. And um, so we just want to give you the opportunity. Some of you have heard him speak. You know that he brings a level of revelation to God's word that, uh, frankly, I've never experienced from any other teacher. He is able to unpack or reveal truths in scriptures that, uh, you know, I've read the same scripture a hundred times for many, many years, and he'll bring something out of it, and I'll just go, wow, where did he get this? And uh, just to kind of give you a little background, Mitko was raised in uh, communist Bulgaria and became a Christian and actually pastored a church under the communist regime before the Soviet Union fell. And so he is coming from a perspective of being an on-fire Christian and leading, being a Christian leader in a society that was anti-Christian. And so I think that gives him... (laughs) You know, that shaped him in his early years to press into the things of God despite the opposition of the culture. And the reward for that is that he sees things from a different perspective. He sees things from a a perspective that we don't because he's coming from such a different background. And you know what? We're living in a day where there's a lot of opposition to the things of God, right? And, uh, um, And so, again... I strongly encourage you to consider 
making time, taking time to go to one or several of these special meetings that we're going to have. So, and we really want those meetings to be times of extended, especially the evening meetings, extended worship, extended teaching, extended uh, time for impartation so that we can get a little more. Okay, and one other thing I want to do is just pray for a uh, situation. Of course, we've heard of the turmoil that's happened in Paris. And, uh, you know, this is an ongoing crisis. Um, the, it's just part of a huger, much, much larger um, uh, series of events that's happening that is bringing destruction to so many lives. And so can we just pray uh, for those people and uh, pray for God's peace? So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We ask you for grace. Uh, during this time of difficulty and tragedy, and give us the ability to respond not out of fear, not out of uh, terror, not giving in to uh, the schemes of the enemy, uh, but in confidence. And Father, we pray for the families that have been affected by uh, the tragedy and the, the terrorism, as well as uh, the Syrian refugee crisis and all of the different places in the world where uh, people are suffering. Lord, you are a present help in time of need. And we pray that uh, those men, women, and children would be helped, Father. And in whatever measure that we can be the hands that reach out to help them, we pray that you would help us find the ways to do that. God, and we just turn this situation over to you. In Jesus' name, we thank you that we have someone that we can call on, that we know you hear, and we know you care. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it's my uh, privilege to introduce Graham, who's going to be speaking on family. Come on up. All right, thank you. Good morning, everyone. All right, so we're continuing our series on happy family. And uh, this has been a great series just to focus on what is family, how to strengthen our family relationships. And I know that's always an area of life that we always feel like we can learn more, we can grow. And this morning, we're going to continue with this happy family series. Uh, but we're going to actually look at what it means to be part of the family of God this morning. So that's another really important aspect of looking at happy family. So this morning, we're going to be focused on one particular part of the Bible. It is found in Galatians chapter 3, the very end of that chapter, into the start of Galatians chapter 4. So we are going to this morning let the Apostle Paul speak to us using the language of family. And he's going to show us this morning some really important truths about who you are in relationship to God and who you are in relationship to to other people. And we're going to learn two really big things this morning. The first is the importance of the language of family. The importance of just understanding what it means to be in family. The second thing we're going to learn this morning is about the importance of the ministry of reconciliation. And this passage contains both ideas. So that's a lot of ground to cover, but I'm confident that together we can cover this and that we're going to get through it all and it's going to be a blessing. Um, as Pastor Cameron mentioned and just prayed for the situation that's happening in Europe and Paris, I had literally just finished uh, this sermon on Friday night, finished, I saved out of the Word document, thought, I'm just going to see what's happening, and first reports were coming through of uh, what was happening in Paris, and I thought it was just an incredible thing to happen for me personally because I had just finished thinking about the importance of reconciliation 
and how God, through the Holy Spirit and through the work of Christ Jesus, is determined to bring unity in this earth. God is relentless that he will draw all people into relationship with him. That where there's division and discord, and even as far as war and terrorism, that God is determined that that will be overcome. He is so determined that that will be overcome. And we're going to see a sense of that this morning as we read um, in Paul's letter to Galatians. So we're going to turn to Galatians 3 in just a second, but I want to give you a little bit of context. Paul is writing to a group of Christians who have been formerly coming out of a Jewish context. And so they were living their lives in this Jewish way of thinking, and they were following the law of Moses. So you might remember the law of Moses had a lot of rules, had a lot of do this, do that, don't touch this, don't go here, don't associate with this person, don't do, so a lot of that type of thing. So they have become very accustomed to all of these rules. They've become Christians, they have accepted Jesus as their Lord, and they're trying to figure out, how much of that old law do I hang on to? Do I still follow the do this, don't do that way of lifestyle? Or how do I live now that I have Jesus? Paul is writing to them and saying, let me help you figure this out, because I have personal experience of already trying to work this out. And Paul is saying, I've already come to some ideas that I think are true. Let me share them with you. And that's what Paul, in the passage that we're going to look at today, this is part of what he's sharing. Now, Paul, Paul had a choice. Paul could have just said, here's a list of things that I think are really important for you Galatians to understand. But instead of just giving it to them in a really dry, kind of boring way, he says, I'm going to give it to you in a, in a language that you're going to really understand. I'm going to give it to you in a language using a set of words, a set of images that's really going to resonate with you and it's something you're really going to understand, like you're just going to get it. When I explain it to you, you're just going to get it. Like you're just going to understand your relationship with God because this way that I'm going to describe it to you just is going to make sense to you. And it's the language of family relationships. And you know what's great about the language of family? Is that we can get it just as easily as the Galatians can get it because we live in family as well. I don't know if you realize, but the Bible is essentially a family story. Starts with one particular family, the family of Abraham, and it just extends all the way through the rest of Scripture. So the Bible is full of this language of family. And so we're going to focus on that this morning in Galatians chapter 3. So let's read these verses together. I'll read them, I guess. You can just follow along. (laughs) Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, and there he's talking about uh, the coming of Jesus Christ and all that Jesus Christ has done for us, we were held in custody under the law, Locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have closed yourself, yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, Greek nor slave, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate, 
the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So there's a lot in there, and we're just going to go back through it a little bit at a time and then explain what Paul is talking about here. And I think it'll be something that blesses us this morning as well. So let's go back. So Paul paints a picture here as he gets started in these first few verses. And he says that there was a time when people wanted to relate to God. This is before Christ had come. Thinking about the Old Testament, thinking about the people of Israel. And they wanted a relationship with God, and they had a relationship with God. But that relationship was shaped by the law of Moses. And this was a really big question. How do we understand the law now that Jesus has come? And Paul says, let me make it really clear for you. I'm going to use an image that will make it really clear. He says, the law was kind of like a guardian or even a prison guard. So what the law did is the law said, don't touch, don't go here, don't do this, don't do that. But the law basically set a whole bunch of boundaries and a whole bunch of restrictions that kept people from kind of getting into trouble by going where they shouldn't go. All right? So they were kind of, kind of overseen by the law, and the law set, set very strict limits on what they could do, what they couldn't do, where they could go, and where they couldn't go. So Paul says this law, you know, Paul's not saying the law was all bad at all. It wasn't. Paul's saying the law had a very fixed purpose for a fixed time. But who wants to live their entire life as a prisoner, right? And what the law did is as people lived under the law, they got a sense of, you know what? I'm looking through the window, and I can see that there's freedom outside. I can see that I'm in prison under the law, and I can see that there's something better. And as you go through the Old Testament, you get a sense of people knew there was something more than being in prison under the law. And they knew that there was a freedom and a joy that was going to come. And that's what Paul says happened when Jesus came and when faith came. So that whole set of imagery right there is very legal, right? It's very legal, kind of dry, not something that warms our hearts with fuzzy feelings. Um, and Paul says, actually, there's this whole new reality that I want to share with you. And when Paul makes the transition into this new reality, he uses the language of family, so instead of being a prisoner, Paul says, now you're part of a family. And he says here, you are all children of God through faith. Jesus comes along, opens the door to the prison, and says, come into freedom. Come into freedom. Now, if you go from prison, you need structure. 
You can't just go out into society with no structure, with no help. And Paul says the new way of thinking is to think of yourselves as being part of God's family. So the massive transition that Paul is describing here is to go from someone who's in prison to someone who's in the family. So there's a lot of implications to this that we're going to get into in just a moment. But there's one other really important point that Paul makes in these verses. Not only are we making a transition from prisoner to son and daughter, which is a massive transition in itself, but we're also at a place where we have a complete change in our status before God, before each other. If you look at verse 28, Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, that is a really radical verse of Scripture. Now, Paul isn't saying, when we become Christians, we have to give up our identity. Not at all. He wants us to stay male and female. He wants us to know who we are. This is talking about your status before God. Right? So, in the time that Paul was writing, these were fundamental divisions within the society. You were either a Greek or you were a Jew. Male or female, slave or free. Huge, huge divisions in society. And they were often in competition with each other. One trying to overcome the other, often. So if you were a Greek, you thought the Jews were crazy. Who would believe in, in, the, in the law? I mean, they just had no basis for understanding each other, but the Jews thought they were better than the Greeks. So one considered themselves to be better than the other. Um, if you were a freed person, you considered yourself to be way superior than a slave. And in this culture that Paul is writing into, if you were male, you considered yourself way better than a female. So the whole society is built on these inequalities and these structural problems and these structural differences that pitted one set of people against another set of people. That was the basis of their society. Paul says, you become a Christian, all of that goes away. All of that goes away. It doesn't matter if you're a slave. It doesn't matter if you're a free person. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're Greek or if you're Jew. You're all the same. Now, the society that Paul's writing to in the Roman days in the first century AD had lots of problems, lots of labels for people, lots of ways of pigeonholing people, lots of ways of setting up people's status. Thankfully, we live in a much more enlightened society, which has no labels, no ways of categorizing people, and no... Oh, hang on. So this has something to say to us this morning. What does Paul have to say to our society? He says whether you're black or white, you're one in Christ. Whether you're part of the 1% or the 99%, doesn't matter. Whether you were born here 
or born some other crazy place like Northern Ireland. You're all one. <laughs> and Japan. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're in the U.S. legally or illegally. You are one in Jesus Christ. Oh, really? Doesn't matter what you think your gender is or your sexuality. You're one in Jesus Christ. And we like to put people in boxes so that we can feel superior to other people. And Paul says that can't happen anymore because in Jesus Christ, we are all the same. Sometimes the Bible cuts a little too close, but this is the implication of this verse. It's really clear. Okay, so we're all in the family of God, and we're all equal. That is good news. But Paul says, it actually gets even better than that. All right, so chapter 4 verse, in Galatians, verse 1. He actually uses a very similar picture in chapter 4. It's got a little bit of a twist to it. He said, just because I'm using the language of family instead of prisoner, there's actually another twist to this that we need to understand. So in the Roman days, when Paul's writing to Galatians in the first century, it was very, very common for there to be a child in the household, and that child had a guardian appointed to it. So what would the guardian do? The guardian would make sure that the child didn't, you know, get into trouble. And, you know, it was kind of a cross between a tutor and a babysitter, right? And it would make sure that the child was on the, you know, doing what it needed to do and cleaned up and eating meals and all that stuff, right? It would say, the, the guardian would say, no, 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 don't go there, don't go there. Oh, yeah, don't, careful crossing the street. No, don't do this, don't do that. What does that sound like? It sounds a little bit like the law that Paul just described. But what Paul is saying is, you can be part of a family and live in a way that you still looks like you're under the law. Because you're looking to a guardian to say, should I touch this? Should I go over here? Should I do this? Should I do that? And Paul said, essentially in these verses, don't live like that. We've, we've outgrown that stage of life. There would be something wrong with with, imagine there's a child that's growing up, and that child just refuses to grow up. Just refuses to grow up. They never become old enough to think for themselves, to fend for themselves, to make decisions. They're so dependent on others. Paul says, that's no way to be. No way to be. And in fact, he makes a very important theological point here to say, which is under the law, under the guardianship of the law, we actually were completely incapable spiritually of growing up into maturity. He said under the law, we were kept in this permanent state of being like little children. We were completely incapable of making that transition to becoming older, mature adults. See, it's just never going to happen. 
the law was designed in a way that kept us in this state where we just would never get it. We'd never be able to mature. So we were never going to be able to make that transition to be a true son or daughter. We were always going to be kept in this state of being underage, under guardianship. We were never going to be able to make it. Paul says that's no way to live. There's a much better way to live. So what happens is God says, all right, people are never going to be able to get to this point. We're going to have to step in. And he sends Jesus to step in. Now, Jesus is the true, only begotten Son of God. And because we are in the identity of Christ, we now are sons and daughters. So what we were incapable of doing for ourselves, Jesus is completely capable of doing for us. And Jesus pulls us into the family of God. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, we become part of the family of God through faith. And we transition from being under the guardianship to being full children of God. Now, why does this matter so much? It matters because if you look at the very end of these verses of this passage, it matters because if we don't grow up, if we don't have Jesus, we don't have access to the Father, number one, which is a fundamental relationship. But number two, we don't have access to the inheritance. Paul in these verses is all about the inheritance. So imagine if you're living in, as a child in the household of God, you're under a guardian who's telling you what to do all the time. You have no access to just run in and be with the Father. You have a, just a relationship with the Father that's too distant. And second, you have no access to the inheritance. The Father's never going to say to the child who's under the guardian, here, have everything, because the child is incapable of dealing with it. Paul says, you're not true sons and daughters. You have access to the full inheritance. And that is incredible. What does it mean to be an heir? What does it mean to be an heir? If somebody, uh, if you inherit something, it means it's yours to use, right? It's given to you. You didn't earn it. It's just given as a gift. And because we are children of God, all equal, we all have equal access to the gift. We all have equal access to what God has to give. And I just want to talk about one particular area of this inheritance this morning. And the one particular area of inheritance that I want to talk about is the spirit of reconciliation. So the way we all got into the family of God is through being reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. So Jesus, through Jesus, we are reconciled to God. We are in true relationship with God. We also are reconciled to each other because, remember, we're all equal before God. So all of the dividing walls, all of the things that would naturally in society keep us against each other have gone away through this new relationship we have with God, through this new status we have with God. We are completely knit together. And we are put into the family of God. John chapter 8, verse 35 says, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs in it forever. And that is us, that we belong permanently in the family of God. 
So we have all received the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we have received the spirit of reconciliation, which overcomes difference and brings us together into true relationship. Part of the inheritance that we receive from God is the ability to see this reconciliation happen in our own family lives and in our own society. Where because we have received the spirit, we have received reconciliation in our own lives, we now have a mandate and a commission from Jesus to go out and to bring that same reconciliation wherever we go. Where do we see this? A couple of different places that we see this. First of all, when Jesus was leaving earth, commissioning the disciples to go out, you may be very familiar with the Great Commission, go into all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So all nations is key there. So it doesn't matter where people are from, tell them the good news. Invite them into the family of God. The other part that I find amazing is in John's gospel, there's a part where Jesus breathes on the Holy Spirit. When did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit? Was it in Acts 2? No, it was actually earlier because Jesus breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit right before he left. Jesus rises from the dead. Disciples respond appropriately by locking themselves away and hiding in an upper room. Jesus in his resurrection body says doors, windows, walls, doesn't matter, comes into the room and says, peace be with you, an appropriate thing to say because they were scared, and breathes on them. Why did he breathe on them? Because then he says, basically go and forgive people as I have forgiven you. Bring a ministry of reconciliation wherever you go. Bring people into the kingdom through this message. What happens next? The birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. Peter gets up, preaches the gospel, and people are drawn to faith in Jesus Christ and added to the church. Acts 2 goes out of its way to explain how absolutely incredibly diverse the group of people were that heard the message of the gospel. The church did not start as a bunch of people that all looked the same. The church from day one was made up of tons and tons of different people who talked different languages, looked different, had different ways of seeing life. And Peter said, this was God's will. This is what God's going for. And so that's an encouragement right there when we struggle with people who are different than us. That God says, hey, you're all equal. You all have the spirit of God. You can figure it out. You can make it work because you all have my spirit in you. And while you're working it out with each other, go out and tell other people about the gospel and invite them into the kingdom of God. That might sound difficult, often is difficult, but there's another passage of scripture where when the spirit blows through, incredible things happen. It's actually two of them. When God forms Adam, shapes the dust, and when God has this nice dust statue that's man-sized, 
It needs something else to finish it off. And what does God do? Comes down face to faith, breathes into Adam's lungs, brings him to life. God creates life from the dust. Ezekiel 37, prophet Ezekiel has a vision of a valley of dry bones. And God says, uh, why don't you go ahead and prophesy there to those dry bones? Ezekiel says, that sounds kind of crazy. What, what's going to happen? God said, all right, let's see what's going to happen. He prophesies, and those dry bones come to life. So this is a picture, in closing this morning, of what can happen when we go out with this idea of reconciliation. That where you see dead bones, or a pile of dust, or there's no hope for life, there's no hope for anything, that when you bring the spirit of forgiveness, of reconciliation, that life comes forth. And as life comes forth, people are drawn into the family of God, where you don't live as a prisoner, you don't live under a guardian, but you live as a full son and daughter before God. Where when dinner is cooked, you get to come to the table. Where when you need something from the storehouse of the Father, you can go and ask for it and know that you'll get it. And that's the type of life, and that's the type of freedom we live, and that we are to invite other people into. So the language of family is so important in understanding who we are, understanding who God is, and understanding what our mission and purpose in life is. Let's close in prayer this morning. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks so clearly to our lives, to our times that we live in. Pray, God, that you would help us to live in this understanding of being full sons and daughters in your family. Help us, God, to know what it is to live in unity together, to see each other as equal in status before you. And help us, God, as we go out in our everyday lives, in our society, in our families, to live in a way that brings reconciliation and it invites people into the family of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. I am not going to bring everything to a close. We're going to invite Tori to come up. Welcome, Tori. Good morning, everyone. So um, at New Day, for the past couple weeks, we have had a secret that some of you know about. Uh, it's Pastor's Appreciation. And so we would like to invite up Pastor Cameron and Kathy, Pastor Mark, Pastor Anthony, and Aaron Mueller to come on up right now. We love our pastors. Yes, but you didn't know that. <laughs> so, so when I got to church this morning, I'm like, Mark, what, what's Mark doing here? Because we're normally in the opposite. But Mark didn't know that he was getting asked up today. Yeah. Oh, he did it, guys. <laughs> so um, here you go. Uh, look at those pastors. So um, in case you don't know, Pastor Cameron is our lead pastor. Pastor Mark is our assistant pastor. Pastor Anthony is the site pastor of Vine. And Aaron Mueller is our youth leader. So um, let's just stretch out our hands and pray for them. You guys can open those.
we want we want you to open them up here so whatever but i'm gonna pray for you guys okay. <laughs> god we thank you so much for our leaders and we just ask that you would pour out more and more into each of their lives um, we thank you for their sacrifices we thank you for the way that they serve us and they lead us into your presence and we just ask that you would multiply what you are doing in their lives. Father, we ask for more and more in them. We thank you for everything they've poured out, God, and we ask that you would give back 10 and 100 fold into each of them, God. We ask that the visions that you've put on their hearts for this city and your kingdom would come now <laughs> on earth as it is in heaven, and we just release what you want to do in each of them, and we ask that you would really affirm the truth that they are loved and supported by all of us. In your name we pray, amen. So go ahead and open your cards. Hey. I got you, Mark. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. So we were able wow. to give $100 to each of our, to Pastor Anthony and Aaron Mueller and Pastor Mark and $1,000 to Pastor Cameron. So thank you. All right. Well, we love you guys, and uh, thank you for the little surprise. Um, we're going to close the service, so you can do that. All right. Well, I'm blown away. It's very, very difficult to get something uh, past me. <laughs> all right. I had no idea this was coming, uh, but I thank you all very much, and I definitely appreciate Tori, Diane, uh, who are the administrators here that uh, have pulled this together uh, and appreciate most of all each and every one of you that uh, you are New Day Community Church. You, you make the church. You know, if, you know, if, a, if a leader doesn't have people uh, following, he's not a leader. He's just taking a walk, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and God's doing such great things through you, and so this is definitely um, very heartfelt. And it happens to be my birthday today. Yeah. So there you go. All right.